Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from sunny California, now living in beautiful Beijing. Actually, I'm coming to you from Inner Mongolia. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today we are joined by a very important person, Nico of YouTube's Nico Films. That's N-I-C-O-F-I-L-M-S, Nico Films. Nico posts popular videos about life in China and her travels. With 70,000 followers, Nico has made a significant and positive impact on people's knowledge of China. She posts city guides, travel videos, and cinematic content about her life in China, Asia, and beyond. Welcome to The Bridge Podcast, Nico. Wow, thank you very much. That was quite the welcome. <laughs> um, I'm honored to be here. And um, just just so people don't go too wild, I've not quite got 70,000 followers Oh, yet. So what's the exact number 60 uh 66,000 and something at the minute so maybe by the end of the year I'll have 70,000 but uh not quite there yet we could add up your IG and other stuff to it right yeah Okay, well, if we add up that, then actually, <laughs> um, maybe I've got a little bit over because our Chinese social media is a little bit higher. So we'll pretend it's more than. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, could you tell us a little bit about where you're from and why you came to China in the first place? Uh, sure. So um, my name is Nico. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you. Uh, I'm originally from the UK. Me and my husband, we moved to China in 26. I want to say might have been 2017 hmm. I'm not very good with dates sorry mm-hmm. um we, we moved to China <laughs> basically we moved to China five and a half years ago hmm. um but we have just recently left in um around the Christmas time because we mm-hmm. wanted to visit our family which we haven't hmm. seen for a little while um but we moved to China um after we had been traveling in South America we were traveling for about 13 months. Wow. And we were coming to the end. Yeah. We, we decided to do like a big trip wow. for as long as we could. And when it kind of got to the end of the trip, our mm-hmm. money was running out. We had a decision to make. Do we move back to the UK and kind mm. of start our lives again? Or do we carry on traveling and go somewhere else? And for me and my husband, it was kind of a no-brainer. We decided that we wanted to continue to be abroad and have new experiences. So we decided to look into places that were the polar opposite of Latin America. And we decided that China was the best place to be. So we looked into um, moving to China and we got some jobs in China and then we started our journey. So where are you right now? Well, right now I'm actually in Vietnam. Wow. (laughs) Could you tell us a little bit about Vietnam? How long have you been there and what's life like there? um, We've been in Vietnam just a couple of days. Uh, We are planning on spending a couple of weeks here in Vietnam. We're catching up on some work that we've got to do. Uh, editing videos for you guys. We're still posting China content every two weeks. Mm. So yeah. we before we left, we filmed like loads of films. Uh, so we're still working on them. And mm. before this, we were in Indonesia for a wow. month. Uh, before that, we were in New Zealand. Uh, I was in New Zealand for four months. And then My goodness. after we leave Vietnam in a few weeks, we are actually going to Kazakhstan. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, yeah. That's amazing. Why Kazakhstan? Uh, well, basically, uh, me and my husband, we obviously like to travel. Uh, I've just t- t- told you that. Obviously. Mm, obviously. We like to travel. <laughs> one, of the, one of our biggest um, travel kind of adventures that we wanted to go on when we first met was South America. Uh, we both were working mm. towards that. That's what we mm-hmm. had separately decided we wanted to do. And then when we met each other... We realized, okay, well, obviously, let's do it together. Mm. But as we have been living in China and we're thinking about where we wanted to go next, when we wanted to travel, where we left, for us, Central Asia has always been a really like different destination to everywhere we've been so far. Yeah, uh, we've always been really fascinated by it. So we want to do a trip through Kazakhstan, mm. Uzbekistan, and Kazakhstan. So that's next on the list. So we're gonna spend wow a few months there. I think you're living the life that so many millions of people, uh, you know hope to live and that's why they tune in to watch your content do you ever envision yourself ending this amazing journey that you've begun oh yeah i mean probably by the summer we won't have any money left so (laughs) (laughs) okay so so probably so probably then we're we're gonna head back to uh, europe in the summer to i mean i've not actually been back to the uk since uh, 2019 So uh, I have a lot of friends to catch up with. There's no way you could find work out somewhere else in the world before you go back home. Or is this this really the what happens if you refresh your uh, your treasury? Will you return to the rest of the world? Oh, definitely. I mean, we want to go back to the to Europe in the summer because um, it's the best time, Mm. obviously, Mm. Um, in Europe uh, with it being nice. Like our friends, you know, they'll have holidays. I've got a wedding to go back for. Mm. But once we get there, I think we'll be trying to find a way to either work abroad somewhere new and live oh. there or carry on trying to work online. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. This is kind of a year of discovery, doing some things that we might not get a chance. Because if we do get a full-time job somewhere, then we can't just yeah. fleet off to Kazakhstan for three months. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just off to Kazakhstan. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's more challenging when you have a full-time job. Yeah. So you are exceptionally successful at engaging your viewers on YouTube. Could you tell us about your journey into vlogging? Like for a lot of vloggers out there, I'm sure that they would like some tips from Nico. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about your success and how you got started? Sure. So when we were traveling in South America, me and my husband made like a cinematic video from every place that we went, Mm. mainly for ourselves to look back on in a few years, show our family and family to come, I guess, what Mm. adventures we got up to. But when we came to China and we started researching it, we realized that there was really wasn't very much information out there. Mm. So we moved to Nanjing originally Mm -hmm. for a year. And to be honest, I'd never even heard of it before we moved there. (laughs) So I didn't really know much about it. And there wasn't much information online. And I thought, well, if we're in that boat, then other people must be too. Mm -hmm. So originally we started the channel basically to help other foreigners that were moving to China. Mm. So that's why we started City Guides, giving information, kind of helping people move, letting people know what it's like to live here in China. Mm. Obviously, we had to kind of pivot a little bit when the pandemic started and people weren't mm-hmm. moving to China because obviously China was shut. But um, for us, mm-hmm. it was great because it gave us an opportunity to travel a lot more and do a lot more travel-based content, mm-hmm. which is kind of what we're more focusing on now, I guess. Mm-hmm. So those videos that we have pre 
previously made are kind of what you would call like evergreen content. And if people are searching on YouTube for something, mm -hmm. they will probably be likely the ones that will come up. So if you're wanting to start a channel that has travel content or it's kind of useful to other people, then I think that's a really good way to start because you're answering questions that might be asked. So if mm -hmm. you were to go on to YouTube to find out some information, yeah. it's obviously like the second biggest search engine, you know, in the world. So you ask YouTube a question and it gives you the answer with videos. So if you as a creator can answer those questions, wow. then your videos will get searched a lot more. Well, that's very clever. You're listening to The Bridge. You know, I, I noticed when I was on your channel a couple of days ago that almost all of the content, if not all of the content that I could find immediately accessible was just China based. But you've traveled to, I don't know, dozens of countries. Do you make videos about other places that you've been as well? Yes. So we used to make videos um, when we first arrived in China, I guess uh, you would say. So we did a lot of traveling. We went to Kuala Lumpur. We went to mm. Seoul. We went to Vietnam and we made videos all about those countries as well they don't really do as well because youtube mm. algorithm has us as a china channel so ah. there is you know if we make anything that isn't china related it it, it won't get shown to our audience or wow. anyone else um so that has been a bit of a and not so much of much as a issue but um it's kind of a thing i guess if you're starting a channel to think about because yeah. some travel channels you know if they go all around the world they might get really big in one place but once you leave that area then those fans might not watch anymore so mm. we have kind of solely based this channel on china and obviously now we are mm. traveling more uh we will start a second channel ah. for those for that video content yeah that's really interesting so you are kind of like a china expert by default because the the algorithm <laughs> has molded you into that but i mean there's a lot of really great content i'm also watching you on instagram i got to see your husband that way i think yesterday so. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm assuming that's who that gentleman you're always with is. <laughs> yeah yeah that's my husband slash uh cameraman slash editor slash uh pretty much the guy who makes all the videos the way that they are. <laughs> I, I have a similar deal, only uh, it's not your husband. <laughs> Other than YouTube, because you mentioned some Chinese channels, where can, because we have a lot of Chinese listeners, mm -hmm. where can our listeners find your content? Where are all the places that we can find you? Uh, so on Chinese social media, you can find us on Bilibili and Totiao. We aren't on anything mm -hmm. else because our content really lends itself better to longer form content. Mm, mm, mm. Um, so we're on those two channels and then on... Yeah. No, it's called uh, Nico in China. Well, Nico Zai Zhongguo in Chinese, obviously. And then you can find me on Western social media, on YouTube and Instagram mainly. I am on TikTok, but it's not really, it's not really that big, right? <laughs> it might it might be in the future. You never maybe, know. Maybe. I just jumped onto TikTok like, I don't know, nine months ago and it exploded. So you never know what's going to happen. Exactly. So we'll see. You know, for me, I would give the advice that, uh, you know, try a lot of different channels because some channels like Instagram, I just never took off at all. It was horrible and miserable and a lot of work. But then I would I just jumped onto TikTok and I exploded almost overnight. So, you know, it depends. Like maybe in one algorithm likes your kind of stuff more than another algorithm sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And I think it can be 
you know, your content, if you make content, you can easily cut it up to be on different platforms. So a lot of the time, that's what we try and do. We might make a YouTube video and then we might cut it up to make it for Instagram or for TikTok or, or whatever. And, you know, it's better to you can repurpose that content as well. But it also depends on the type of creator mm. that you are, because if you're filming it in yeah, yeah, yeah. horizontal or vertical, then you have to think about that, obviously, as well. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people, you know, shorts is really taking off now on YouTube as well. So that's basically if you only post um, vertical content, you know, you could do it on shorts, TikTok and Instagram and post the same content and see what happens. So, yeah, even YouTube has the vertical content option now as well. Um, I wanted to ask you another question in terms of the manner in which you craft your video. Is it a narrative? Do you ask a question and then try to answer it? Do you use multiple styles or what kind of uh, structure do you use when you're crafting a new video for your fans? Oh, well, that's an interesting question because I guess over the years it has developed a lot and also changed a lot. Mm -hmm. So let me kind of give you an overall answer to that and... Obviously, it, mm. you know, it may fit in more now or, or, or more back then. Mm-hmm. But originally, we would kind of think about what we would have asked if we were coming to China. Oh, good. So originally, yeah. we were thinking, okay, if I was moving to China, what questions would I ask? So we tried to answer those questions. But now we kind of think, if I'm traveling to a place, mm-hmm. what would people want to see? Mm. And for me... I like to research a lot (laughs) Mm -hmm. and find out about a city or a destination before we go. Mm -hmm. So we kind of do a lot of research, think about the things that... Like TripAdvisor? Well, not so much TripAdvisor, but just historical Mm. places to go, look at people on Instagram where they went, if they went Mm. to a city, for instance, pinpoints and things. And then we think about how we could craft that into a video. So Mm. what's the interesting part of that? And it might be, if it's a city, Mm. then usually, obviously, there's more than one video that we can make. So we think about the different sections of the video, and then we might do more research. And so we might like brainstorm ideas together. Me Me and Jack, my husband, we often have nights where we will just have a mm-hmm. beer, brainstorm a load of video idea titles, think about how we can execute them. It's a lot easier if you're going to a city or you go into a destination, I find, than say the the months that we had to spend in Beijing mm-hmm. thinking of new content all the time, because it's a lot harder if you can't travel. But if you can travel, it's so much uh-huh, easier yeah. because you're experiencing new experiences all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one, one thing I tried one time is trying to go to all the museums of Beijing to do a video. After about 50 museums, I was just like, I give up. There are too many museums. Mm. <laughs> There's too many museums. And also, because um, a lot of people ask, oh, you know, but museums, but galleries, blah, blah, blah. But they're not good to film in. Like you can't film. They're, not, they're often like not lit very well for, <laughs> for photography or for, and you know. Or you're not allowed to film sometimes. You, you're, show, you're not allowed to film or, you know, there's glass. So it, it just reflects back. Mm. So, yeah, they're not the best. They're not the best place to, to film in. Outside is obviously better, but then you've got to rely on the weather, which is another big factor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's often times that um, it can be a bit of a struggle. But um, once you kind of have, once we kind of have the idea, we usually make a script uh, or at least. Mm-hmm. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. Like we go pretty, pretty hard and in depth. 
And if we're going to like experience something for the first time, we'll make bullet points maybe about that thing. Cause obviously we don't know exactly what it's going to be like. Wow. So we would make talking points. So we'd know, oh, okay. Oh, so this dish was, I don't know, made in such and such a year. So we'd know that so that we could say that on the video as well as our feedback for how it tastes. I gotta say, you you work so hard. Well, sometimes <laughs> when I get on location and it's like I'm in a museum or a gallery or whatever, there are plaques on the wall and I just read them. And then I, I'll have them film me and just talk about the thing I just read. So <laughs> I love that you put so much effort into your content. That's fantastic. You're listening to The Bridge. I wanted to switch gears a little bit because I, I love to ask people like you who've traveled a lot in China, where have you been? Did you take the fast train? Did you take an airplane? Did you take a car? Did you take the sleeper train? How did you get to these kind of locations? Yes, all of them. <laughs> all, all of them. Um, so obviously we haven't been to every province just yet. Ooh. But um, I think we've been to maybe like two thirds. We've mm. been to quite a few. We did actually count them yesterday, but I forgot how many it was. It was over 20. Wow. Um, so we've been to quite a few. China's so big. Mm. And depending on where you want to get to, the fast train would be my transportation of choice. I love taking the fast train. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's the best place if you're going from city mm. to city. It's really convenient. It's very relaxing compare, compared to flying. I like I like the train a lot. Mm. So that mm. would be my preference. But mm. obviously, you know, if you're going from Beijing to Guangzhou, that's the long destination. So flying's obviously mm. better. We have taken the slow train. We have taken multiple taxis and we have also rented cars and taken cars as well. Really? You get, one of you has a driver's license? We both do, yeah. So. Wow! <laughs> Could you take, wait, you know, can we take a deviation here? What was it like getting a driver's license in China? How did you do that? Um, it's not quite as difficult as I think it seems. Um, you need to get your, like, this isn't exactly everything so you know don't hold me to this obviously do your research <laughs> okay sure but, um, yeah. you need to get an eye test before and you need to obviously have a driving mm, license mm. from your home country yeah it's much harder if you don't but if you have your own driving license from your own country then then that's fine you need to get that translated uh i think you probably need something else but then you just go to the dvla i guess the chinese version of that yeah and then you have to register for a test and then you take the test there like a week later mm. um and it's a multiple choice test in english it's in english yes well i mean chinglish <laughs> it's, it's 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 worded quite interestingly um but there are programs like at apps that you can mm. use to study um and the questions are pretty much the exact same so if you study really hard then because you have to get i think mm -hmm. over a certain amount you know you have to get like mm -hmm. 45 or above or something wow. out of 50 questions and then you pass so traveling to over yeah. 20 provinces yeah. in china i'm sure that you know some you have a, a lot of memories and you've made a lot of content to remember the places that you've been <laughs> but if you had to narrow it to say two or three of like the best memories or the most vivid memories maybe not even the best maybe the worst but maybe the most vivid memories like that just stick out and that you'd unforgettable where would you say in china was the most exciting or most memorable <laughs> so i guess my most memorable memories are always when we've gone i don't know it sounds really cliched but off the beaten path i guess when we've kind of 
gone somewhere that was maybe difficult to get to. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. also we've stayed with locals and Mm. we've had sort of more human interaction experiences. And for Mm -hmm. me, it's those people that have like really kind of made an everlasting Mm. memory on my mind. Sure. Um, Yeah, please. You say two, but there would probably be four that stick out really quite... (laughs) And they're all very similar. So I guess I said, so um, one of the first was we went to Inner Mongolia and we stayed with a family wow. on their kind of yurt farm. Um, so it wasn't just us. There were other people there as well. But um, that was a really amazing because it wasn't the same as some places in Inner Mongolia. It was very local. It was just kind of the family and then a few yurts and nothing else around. And it was mm. it was quite difficult to get to because we had to get a bus and then um they had to pick us up and then mm. drive somewhere you know it's kind of not not very easy <laughs> and um, um someone was actually sick on jack on the bus so that was oh no i'm sure it wasn't hilarious for jack though oh, it hilarious was, for you sure it, was, it wouldn't be the first time it wouldn't be the first time actually that that's happened so yeah and so just that whole experience was really amazing and then very similarly we Went to Gansu, and again, we stayed with a family. Um, we stayed in their yurt in Gansu. Wow. And that was amazing. Um, and then another two experiences. Mm-hmm. But this is actually with um, a company called Laoja. Mm-hmm. Um, they have wow. like homestays that you can stay in around China with the, and we've stayed in two. We stayed in one in. Um, wow, that's interesting. With um an 80 year old farmer mm. and i guess he wouldn't be 80 now he would be a little bit older because that was a few years ago so he must be about 83 now um in his house which was amazing he was so wow. so lovely wow um and then recently we went to the tulos and we stayed in an actual tulo um in fujian met everybody in the village and you know the local kids so again it was very very memorable it was all about the you know the people i guess as well as the places being incredible but those you know. sound especially challenging for someone say maybe their first time traveling to asia or something so if someone's coming from the uk or the united states canada australia and then they're coming to china is that what you would recommend you would recommend that they go on these very personal adventures into people's homes or would you just say maybe you should go check out shanghai what would you put on the top two or three lists for maybe someone who is less comfortable just popping into someone's home (laughs) (laughs) no i mean yeah these these experiences are probably a little bit harder if it's yeah. one, your first time in China, and two, if you don't speak any Chinese, because mm. these are local people and not all of them, actually, well, none of them that we've been to speak English, really. Yeah. So it can be very challenging. The larger experiences are more accessible because they help you, but only, I think, one of the homestays that they have, someone speaks English. So that may, means it's just not as enriching because you can't speak to the locals. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's a lot harder. So I I wouldn't recommend them necessarily if you were just arriving in China. Yeah. If you were coming to China for the first time, it can be very overwhelming mm-hmm. because it's such a big country. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot easier to get to places than I think people realize if you kind of stick to the cities for instance Mm -hmm. so if you come to china for the first time i would say a real mix of places to go to would be beijing shanghai xi'an 
Chengdu, and then maybe like Guilin. Wow, that's those are good choices. Yeah, and I mean that's maybe the stereotypical choices of them. I think. Yeah. They would offer you a very varied itinerary. You would、mm. see a lot of different places,、um, history, food, nature, and yeah, I think they would probably. And they're all quite. They're all very accessible if it's your first time. I would say.、Yeah. Well, I mean, for Beijing, I think the big thing is people want people need shots of the Great Wall, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> but there's so much motivating,、yeah. like.、Um, oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. My mum, my mum had been to China a few times、um, before we moved there, and she'd always said, "Oh, I love Shanghai. I love Shanghai. I'm, I'm not as keen on Beijing." And then when we moved <laughs> to Beijing, and they came to visit us, and we showed her all the spots, you know, that we like to go to. Yeah. And she said, "Oh, I've totally changed my mind. Actually, no, I love Beijing more." Wow, really?、And、I think, I think, yeah, we have a soft spot for it. I think it's because you know, with any city, if you're just going to visit, you only see the touristy spots. You only see right, the right. big ticket items, right? But there's just、mm. so much more to every city in China than that. And I think you know, spending time. More in local places obviously helps, and that's not as easy when you're traveling if you've only got a short amount、mm. of time. I always feel, you know, as a Beijinger and who's only been to Shanghai maybe four or five times, I always personally feel that they have、uh, they're for different kind of personality types. Shanghai is more like I really like everything international and very、uh, bougie, and Beijing is more like I will like everything a little more rustic and a little more like locally. I know that's how, that's just my personal feeling. Maybe I'm wrong. I know, I oh, I totally I totally agree with you. If I This is the way I would explain it. I would say if you like cocktails, then Shanghai is your place. <laughs> if you like craft beer, then it's、uh, <laughs> yeah. That's pretty. That seems pretty accurate too. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Bridge. Well, I know that you've traveled outside of China a lot, also, and you mentioned South America,、uh, Vietnam,、uh, New Zealand. Could you give us a little bit of a night, an outline of where you have actually been all throughout the world? Because it seems like you've been everywhere. <laughs>、um, I mean, yeah, it might seem like that.、Um, we again, we were trying to count the countries the other day, but、uh, I, I forgot. <laughs> When you have to count the countries, you know that you've been to a lot. Of yeah,、countries. it's definitely over thirty, but I mean, yeah. Obviously, I live. You know, I'm from the UK, so、mm. I've travelled quite a lot in Europe when I was younger.、Mm. But I would say it was more holidays. I don't really feel like I've travelled, travelled Europe.、Uh, I don't know. If that I'm not really sure. Sense, <laughs> but, well, I, I went to those countries when I was a kid. You know. Ah, yeah. So as an adult, I guess I haven't really travelled that extensively through Europe.、Uh-huh. Like me and、um, me and my husband, we've been together for a long time. So when we、mm-hmm. first got together, we maybe would go. Somewhere for a holiday, but we haven't really gone to like lots of destinations in Europe together. Yeah. So I think that's something that might, we might explore over the summer to go to a few different places that we haven't been, and maybe. Is he also from the UK? Yes, he's also from the UK. So we met、Mm-mm. before we did any of our adventures together because we met in the UK.、Um, in South America, we have traveled to Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Bolivia, Peru. 
Ecuador, Colombia. Wow. But we haven't done Central America yet. Hmm. Uh, it is on the list at some point. Mm -hmm. In Asia, we've done quite a lot of Asia because obviously before the pandemic, it was quite easy to fly to different places from China. So yeah. it's great. We've managed to visit like Japan, South Korea, Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And the reason I went to New Zealand was actually my uh, family lived there. Well, my brother's family lived there and my parents were there for the holidays for Christmas. So that's why I went to New Zealand and not to the UK for well, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're going to Central Asia soon. Yes, because we haven't been to anywhere in Central Asia yet. And we haven't hmm. been to anywhere in Africa yet. But um, yeah, I haven't made it to Africa too. It really frustrates me. And I keep thinking like changing my list every periodically week to week, like where do I need to go? And you know, I think I've narrowed it down. I really want to go to Ethiopia and Egypt's on there too. But like, I'm not sure where else is a must see, you know, but like, uh, yeah. it's difficult because I can probably only realistically get to three to five places in the next like five years. So I have to like really fine tune exactly where I want to go. Yeah, that's so similar thing that we were thinking as well like there's quite a lot of countries that we want to go to in Africa and thought it would be more expensive than our trip to Central Asia so this year we picked Central Asia and then I guess maybe in a few years when the pot is a little bit fuller we will try and do the African countries that we wanted to visit so hmm. maybe we'll have to wait for a few years for that because we really want to you know make the most out of it now you say you're going back to europe and by summer and uh, mm -hmm. you're in vietnam right now are you coming back to china between vietnam and going back to europe uh no we're not um we may head back to china in the autumn because mm -hmm. wow. the weather is a little bit nicer than the hot summers so we thought we we'd have a nice european summer and uh then maybe if we have got any money left. We will head back to China <laughs> to visit. Um, but we'll see. We're not entirely sure what's going to happen. Well, I, I asked that question because I wanted to ask another. Because I know you've traveled and we just talked about it. You've been to over 20 provinces. Are there one or two places in China that you haven't yet got that are just like bothering you, like an itch that you can't scratch? Somewhere that you still want to go that you haven't gone? Oh, so many. So many places. Um, <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> Where are they? Uh, what was quite frustrating uh before we left we kind of tried to knock off a few it wasn't the best time just before christmas mm -hmm. so we didn't get to as many places as we would have liked not through our fault but uh yeah it wasn't quite didn't quite go to plan so we have a lot of unfinished business i would say yeah <laughs> but we actually uh last year we were planning on doing a really big trip around china and again it didn't quite come off um mm -hmm. but ideally we would actually like to drive through every province in china yeah we'd love to do that drive wow you know i know someone you do know for oh, movie yeah. there's a gentleman he does that mm -hmm. he does mostly Sp spanish and english it's called for movie he's a gentleman from colombia he, i don't know if he's going to make every province but i think he's about gonna do about half of them and he's currently in xinjiang heading back i think he's gonna be there for about a month he's doing that where he has an rv and him and his wife are traveling across china like that amazing yeah that's what we that's what we were wanting to do as well go through every province and you know make videos about them and but yeah we haven't quite found the funding for that yet so you know, if anybody wants to see those videos, then uh, <laughs> yeah, it is up about sure. sponsorship. Hey, you know that there are a lot of opportunities for sponsorship out there when you're doing content in China. Yeah. So I want, you know, I think you already answered this question, but I'm going to ask it again anyway. So what are you trying to do with your channel and what are you hoping your fans take away from your content? Um, 
Well, that's an interesting question. So what are we trying to do? I guess the only thing we've ever been trying to do is just to show what living and life in China is like and what traveling in China is like. Um, I'd like my fans to take away Mm -hmm. the fact that not everything I guess they see in the news is always the same as what it is in real life. A lot of people come to our channel because they miss home. Maybe China, that you know, they're living abroad. Um, mm, mm. I want them to take away like a piece of nostalgia that they have for it. And they like to see our content because wow. it reminds them of a certain place or feeling. Uh, so being able to like invoke that in people is really amazing. I just hope that people maybe will go to countries with a bit more of an open mind. I find like when we first arrived in China, we didn't really know what to expect, but we'd also been traveling in Latin America. So not a lot surprised us at that point, you know, we'd experienced a lot of different countries. And I think Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the best way to see what a country is like is to go and visit for yourself. Yeah. So we hope that people will be encouraged to come to China because they've seen our videos, they can experience it. Yeah. Um, and the same with any country around the world. You know, you don't know what it's going to be like. You need to go there. You need to meet the locals and mm-hmm. have your own experience because I can tell you what it's like for us. And we've generally had amazing experiences in China, but you know, that might not be the same for everybody. Um, so it really just depends on what that person is like. Mm. So yeah, that, that's great. Uh, that's a fantastic answer. I wanted to ask because you haven't just traveled in China. And so I think that uh, the idea of coming over to China for a couple of weeks or a month is very different from like getting the daily life or remembering the smell of autumn when it comes back around again the next year. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about what is living in China like, you know, day to day, week to week, month to month, season to season when you're actually here for several years? Um, Yeah, I guess it's very different. And to be honest, before we came to China to live, we'd never been. So we never visited it. So we'd never been to China as a tourist. So I only know China basically Mm. for living. And sometimes it can be hard, you know, especially with the language barrier. Mm. But a lot of the time, you know, people are very patient with you as a foreigner. Um, We got a lot of help when we first moved because we moved with a good company. I definitely think that is very helpful if you're moving to a new Mm -hmm. country to have that support system of a good company that you're moving with. And also having local friends, you Mm -hmm. really need that because there's a lot of times when as a foreigner, it is a struggle and something that is so sim- should be so simple really isn't so uh, having having ha- get, being able to get some local help mm. you know i'll never forget that and i would hope that if anybody you know if i was living back in the uk and people were in a similar situation that i would be able to kind of help them. them local yeah because really experience that living abroad that actually the kindness of strangers and friends mm-hmm. just goes so much further and i think wow like would i have acted like that in my country or wow. and now i definitely think i will nico you actually put me in an interesting situation like with that thought experiment because i mean i've definitely received lots of help in china mm. but i don't know if before my trip to china 
Uh, if I have, would have been the same person to be like, yes, I'd love to go to the local, you know, whatever bureau with you. <laughs> right. But certainly now I would, you know, with the experience of having received so much help in China, like, you know, one of the things they used to have, you know, uh, almost a decade ago is in order to charge your electricity, you have a card and you have to go to the local electricity bureau and charge the card and go back to your Chinese home and then uh, stick it into like a, a receiver so that it would read the card and that it's a totally different process from America. Mm. And so I had to have a lot of uh, local help to figure out how to do that process. And, you know, if I was in, back in America now, I, I would feel obligated to help immigrants or uh, expats living in the United States, because so many people have helped me here. And I think that is one of the things that gets overlooked sometimes is the incredible friendliness of uh, local Chinese people towards foreigners who come to stay in China, which I think is remarkable. Yeah, definitely. And I totally agree. Because I mean, obviously, as well, in the time that we've been there, like technology has advanced a lot. Mm. And so there's things that are just the normal to a lot of people living in China. But you know, I I wouldn't be able to do certain things like pay for certain things on my WeChat app, for example, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. you could back in the UK. So I would have no idea how to do that or buy tickets for somewhere or, you know, and these programs, whereas, you know, your friends around you, they help you by yeah. um, sending you in the right direction. And I think in a way, maybe it's easier to live in China than to travel because <laughs> you have the convenience of you're able to use WeChat and you're able to rent bikes mm. and you're able to, you know, do all these things. But if you were traveling there, I'm thinking, well, how would a person get a taxi without the, right, yeah. the Didi app? And how would a person do this if they were traveling? So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it would be a lot harder in a way. You know, I've heard this. This is something that's coming up with a lot of people who are now coming back to China. There's a lot of concern because uh, if you want to use your WeChat app, it needs to be linked to a bank account. And no, all, I, I don't I don't see cash anymore in China ever. No. So like maybe there are places that use cash, but it's certainly not something you see in Beijing anymore. If you are coming here and you get a bunch of cash, right? You, you like, OK, I've got 2000 RMB for this couple of weeks here. How do you even use that? Like, because I don't even know if vendors take cash anymore at this point. Right. Right. And, you know, with things opening up, I was thinking the same because some things are, are a little bit harder. You know, if you go to, well, for instance, I was just in Indonesia um, and I was there for a month. So I went into a local SIM card place and they gave me a SIM card and that was that. But uh, in China, it's a lot more difficult and your telephone is linked to your bank account and this is linked to that. And, you know, it, it, so, yeah, it's a bit I'm sure it will get easier, but <laughs> I'm just guessing just to make I don't want to terrify our listeners who are considering coming to China. I think that probably you could use like a, a debit card or a credit card of some kind. And most places will be able to take that. So maybe, you, you know, you bring cash, but also, you know, your Visa or MasterCard will probably work by tapping here and that tapping there. Well, it's just everyone here. It's all so convenient with just scanning codes. Well, this is the thing, though. When we first arrived, we tried to pay on card with some things and people were just like, no, um, because I think China actually missed that stage. I think for hotels and stuff, obviously, yeah. you'd be fine. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to scare anybody either. But I just China kind of missed that stage. And you went they went from cash to WeChat. Yeah. But I I heard on Alipay that you could add a foreign bank card. Oh, great. So I think that would be the way to do it. But I've never tried it because I've never needed to because we always lived there. So, wow. you know, <laughs> 
I think it might be easier to just, you know, just move to China, guys. <laughs> yeah, just move here. No Super, problem. It'll be easier. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. I wanted to ask because you mentioned earlier if coming to to staying in someone's home might be more challenging if they don't speak Chinese. So uh, you and your husband, Jack, how's your Mandarin? Um, so Jack's is really good. Um, he has spent a lot of time studying it mm. um, and really, really put the effort into it. Me, on the other hand, my Mandarin, I, I can understand it better than I can speak it. Mm. So I had a tutor for a while, but it just, I had a full-time job and we're trying to make the YouTube videos. And also with everything else, it kind of just got a little bit too much for me to carry on the study. You have to be, you know, it takes a lot Mandarin's hard it takes a lot of time and effort mm, yeah. um so when a lot of people watch our videos and assume that we are here I think they think that we have came to study at some point and we should be able to speak Mandarin but we we never came here to study Mandarin we came here mm. To work. Mm -hmm. And so to also fit in mm. being able to speak Chinese, Mandarin is like quite a mammoth task in itself whilst you, you know. Yeah. So I don't want to make excuses, you know, I, we lived there for a long time. <laughs> um, but I just I think, you know, if you're learning any language, you have to really be 100 percent focused and make sure you put the time aside for that. Yeah. And having a full time job, doing a YouTube video every single week when we were living in China. and. Yeah along with everything else, you know, I just didn't have enough hours in the day to fully commit to it. And I felt like I was only doing it because I felt like I had to. Mm -hmm. And I learned new enough to get by and I can understand it. If people have a conversation, like I can understand what's going on, but yeah, I can't really reply as well, but mm -hmm. Jack's really good. And he's still having lessons now that we've left. Wow. Um, but he can speak, you know, a few different languages. So wow. his brain works in that way better mm -hmm. than mine does. You mm -hmm. know, some people, they can just pick up languages really easily. But unfortunately, that's not the case for me. Yeah, it's not the case for me either. But I've, no. I've been studying uh, sometimes. You're right. You need to set a lot of time. I have not been learning for the last like nine months because I've been working on a book. And so I'm waiting until I finish that to go like back full speed because there's no way I could do both things at the same time. It's just too hard. No, exactly. And, you know, uh, I'm a lot of people, if they can speak more than one language, they know how much work it goes into it. And I think if you start off as a child learning a second language, then hmm. it, it's much easier than as an adult. So you develop that part of your brain that's necessary for this kind of thinking. Yeah. So, you know, if we ever have kids, then I'd get them to start learning Mandarin straight away. And then, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. OK, so, you know, a lot of people who uh, make content on YouTube, for example, uh, they only get a couple hundred followers and then they feel frustrated and give up. And I think that is the case with most people who run out full speed trying to start a YouTube channel. What would you say to people who have made, say, 20 or 30 videos, but nothing really worked for them? What, what kind of advice would you give them as someone who's made it to pretty great success? So, yeah, it's definitely a long process. I think it's something that you have to have the right reasons to do. Mm. So before anybody kind of goes out and just creates anything like if they wanted to do it if they wanted to do that then great if they're not bothered about kind of 
the outcome, the numbers and things, which is how it should be really, you know, you create because you want to create, that would be Mm -hmm. great. But if they were actually, you know, they were bothered that I wasn't getting traction and they were kind of trying to do it more strategically or for a different reason, then Mm -hmm. I think you really have to be passionate about something because you don't know how it's going to Mm -hmm. go. We love making videos. We're very passionate about that. We are quite successful, but I think in comparison to other people, maybe we're not. Mm. But for us, that doesn't matter because we are putting out the content that we Mm. love and we want to put out, you know. And I think you need to kind of think about that side as well, you know. Are you doing it for you? Are you doing it for others? Who are you doing it for? Because that also helps. Because Mm -hmm. if people aren't watching, then maybe you need to switch it up a little bit or try something new. Mm -hmm. I think when you're at the beginning of your creation, like uh, when you're at the beginning of um, Mm -hmm. building your channel, I guess, that's the fun stage because you can try different things and you're not pinned down to a certain Mm way because Mm. once you get to a certain point and you have a so once you get to a certain point and you have a certain style you know people are watching your videos you regularly if you then suddenly change and pivot to another direction like that's a Mm. you know people might not enjoy that but they might and it might do better but generally format yes format yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's the way so if your videos have a certain format and then suddenly change that format right you know, if you've got a lot of followers, they might not like it. And so you've used my drop, which is way worse than mm, at the beginning mm, mm. when you can try. So if you've done, say, 20 videos and you've not really got anywhere, I would say yeah. maybe try something new, try a different style or try and maybe, like I said before, answering a question or maybe doing a course to I think that's a brilliant idea you might think is the missing link. I've not used Twitter for the, I don't know, 10 or 12 years that it's been around. Um, But my wife was like, you have to use Twitter. This is made for you. You just don't understand. And so about a year ago, she was like, you're going to go on Twitter. I opened one here. Here it is. And so I was like, okay, fine. But before I went on Twitter, I went on Coursera and I took a course on how to tweet. And then I was like, okay, I'm ready. I was really successful right away. I got like thousands of fans. So I think sometimes when you're stuck in a rut or you don't know what to do, taking tips from people who do know what to do is actually a really great idea. And so like taking a course on like some sort of platform or even just watching YouTube videos on how to do it can be really amazing way to advance where you're going. I have a couple questions left. Well, I'm going to do the easy one first. Favorite foods in China. What do you think? (laughs) Easy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. It's top three. Three. Top oh, three. Um well, I mean, general or like actual. The foods that okay, you a comfort Chinese food for you. If you were just alone and no one's watching and you could just have any Chinese food right now when you're hungry, what would you noodles. choose? All the noodles. Every single Noodle. type of noodles. All the noodles. So every all the noodles. I love I love every single type of hmm. noodle. Great. Wow. <laughs> you know, I like yeah, it's skinny I, dudes. I'm a huge fan of rugamian as a form of noodle. Oh, so I love rugamian. It's amazing. Um, we recently went to Chengdu and uh, we have a video coming out. Hmm. Actually, Jack was editing it yesterday and we basically spent the whole day just going around trying different types of noodles. So we must have tried about wow. seven different wow. types of noodles. And it was the best day. <laughs> <laughs> noodles, noodles the noodle day. <laughs> yeah, lunch, dinner. Oh, it was amazing. And there's so many different types of noodles in Chengdu. Like, it's one of the best places, I think, for, for noodles. 
every single time mm. was totally different. Every noodle was different because I like different thicknesses of noodles <laughs> and different shapes. And oh, yeah, and they're made out amazing. of different things. You have wheat noodles, you have rice noodles, you have what are those glass noodles? I'm not even sure what they're made out of. They're not made out of glass. Uh, I would definitely <laughs> say I'm more of a, a wheat noodle kind of mm. girl as mm. well. I definitely like the, the heavy, yeah. the heavier. Well, okay. Okay, so, you know, for me as an American, sometimes I get a little frustrated because it feels like my American brothers and sisters, they don't really travel outside of North America. I think that it's the statistics are something like 20% of Americans travel abroad, but most of those just travel in North America. And it's only two or 3% of Americans actually travel outside of the Americas at all. So, I would like to encourage more of my, I know you're from the UK, uh, but, but I would like to encourage more people from America mm -hmm. and from the West in general uh, to travel to Asia, to travel to China, to see it for themselves instead of believing whatever is on their 24-hour news program. It seems like you just ran out of the gate and went everywhere all at the same time. So could you tell us a little bit about your mentality when you first were getting started, when you and Jack were like, okay, we're off to see the world. Like what motivated you and what do you think would motivate other people to also want to go and see the world for Ooh, themselves? Well, it's, you know, I'm trying to think back because that was such a long time ago. Um, <laughs> so I think maybe it's a mm. little bit different, uh, the U.S. compared to me being in the U.K. Because mm -hmm. it is a lot maybe harder, I guess, because you just give me all those statistics for the US. And when I heard that, I was really surprised when we were traveling because I was thinking, well, well why do people? Mm. Because... The U.S. is kind of far, you know, it's far. The, the closest countries, obviously, are Central and South America. Mm -hmm. But it's such a big place. Whereas, you know, if I go from the U.K., if I spend the same amount of time as you maybe would go from one state to another, I'm in a different country. Yeah. So from a young age, we've traveled quite a lot in Europe. And I've seen mm. a lot of places in Europe. And I do think that obviously helps because gives you the mentality of, oh, OK, well, I'm used to traveling a little bit. I've been to different cultures. I've seen mm. different things. But until I was kind of an adult, I hadn't really been anywhere else apart from mainly Europe. Mm -hmm. There are so many different places in the world that I just felt like I just wanted to experience them. So mm. after I finished university, that was my main goal was to get a job and save until I could see more of the world. Mm -hmm. Um and luckily, when I met my husband, he had the exact same mentality. Mm -hmm. And so it meant that I didn't have to go on my own and I could do it with him instead. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, I think that a definitely partner in helped. crime. Yeah, exactly. If people solo travel, like, wow, mm. that is amazing because um, that is is very difficult. I think I think some people, you know, they enjoy being on their own. They find it a more preferable way but you know there are times when it's great but there are tough times when you travel and i think you mm. to have to deal with all that on your own is a quite is quite big yeah. um we are lucky because we have each other to lean on no matter what we come across because we had some really difficult times traveling a lot of stuff has happened to us but you know now it's all just kind of stories and memories and we look back on it and the only way to like I wouldn't change it for the world. And that's why we haven't kind of mm. stopped yet, because we just love experiencing new cultures, new food, yeah. new like ha building relationships with people. And I think it's not just the locals that you meet when you mm. travel, you meet people from all countries around the world. Wow. And you get to learn a little bit more about their country. And also you learn a lot more about your country. 
which I think is very interesting because mm-hmm. when you go somewhere else and you hear other people's like opinions or views mm. and how they see your country, and then you start to think, oh, okay, that's really interesting. <laughs> I never thought about that because the things that you find normal, other people might find weird or crazy or bizarre. So, you know, it's, it's a very interesting insight into the world. Well, certainly one of the things that about your culture I've always been interested in personally, and it's not the Beatles, is that I've always wanted to try this English breakfast thing. But we, we are a little out of time. I wanted to give you any last moment to share any thoughts you have with our listeners before we close the program. Um, well, I just hope that people will take away from this conversation that traveling is pretty amazing. So I just hope that um, your listeners take away that I just hope that people feel inspired by this conversation to either come to China and visit or just even get out of their comfort zone and go somewhere else that's nearby them Mm. or, you know, try something new because you don't have to travel, you know, to the other side of the world to get new experiences. You can do them in your home country. Mm. So, you know, maybe get out of your comfort zone and Go to that new restaurant that you've never been to or just go to some place nearby, you know, and it might start the process of you kind of getting a bit further afield um, and eventually, you know, go into a different country or go into China. Um, And it doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be China, but I just hope that it inspires people to kind of speak to new people, get out their comfort zone. And maybe be creative, because if you enjoy what we're doing, then you can do it too. And I just hope that us making videos makes other people see that they can show people the world as well. Wow, that's very inspirational. Thank you so much for your time, Nico. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Likewise. Likewise.